0: the scripture says to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask think or even comprehend according to the power that works in us that's what the message is this morning it's spirit-led christianity that you have a power that's at work if you've accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior you have the holy spirit and there's a power that's at work in your life to produce something that you yourself couldn't produce in yourself It leaves us completely God-dependent because when you're praying and you're believing God to move in your life especially if you've been waiting a while the number one thing that the enemy does he tries to get you to question the goodness of God I know a lot of believers even myself at some time during my walk I can't recall a specific time but probably ask God don't you care I'm doing all this for you don't you care If we reach the place of maturity where he can't get us to question God's goodness, what he does is, well, we know God's good, but maybe it's you then. So, what aren't you doing that you're supposed to be doing? So, if you're not going to accuse God, he's trying to get you to accuse yourself. (laughs) Because, like I told my buddy Dan one day, you know, he was all beat up, and you guys heard me tell this story. He was beat up, and he was telling me some stuff he did and you know he was actually beat up about it and i said dan i said you know we measure ourselves by our failures but god measures us by our growth doesn't matter if it's we couldn't see it but god sees it he's not disappointed in our failures the bible says that A righteous man falls seven times, and seven times he'll get back up again because the Lord is his strength. If God is your strength, you have a promise to get back up again. When we fall, we don't have to stay down. The trials and tests of life, they're put there by the enemy to stop the will of God in your life. And if you focus on a trial or a test and you feel like you can't endure it, then you're trying to do it in yourself. Because we have a promise that we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. We're not just conquerors. We're more than that. Because Christ is our strength. And it says that if you have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you, that He'll quicken, make alive your mortal bodies. That's these bodies now. Your body in heaven, your celestial body, is not subject to die. It's not mortal, it's immortal. It's talking about these bodies that heal quicken these bodies. Because you have that same spirit that was in Christ in you. And that's supposed to do something. That's why it's spirit led Christianity. So we're gonna get in, open in scriptures or Colossians chapter 2, verses 13. God is so faithful. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 and 14. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. So I looked up that word all there. It's the Greek word pais. It literally means the whole all any every and daily. Most Christians believe that when you come to God, your past sins are forgiven, and your present sins, they're only forgiven if you repent. And your future sins, because you haven't repented yet, that they're still waiting (laughs) for that time to where you commit them to then where you can repent of them in order to receive the forgiveness. Because the whole is all of them. But it's like this saying, and I asked Heather if she ever heard it this morning. And she said that she had never heard it. But I'm pretty sure some of you guys would have had to have. I've heard it said a whole bunch of times that the church is a hospital for the sick. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but I've heard that. And there's nothing more contrary to Scripture than that saying. Because it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, all for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body, till we all come together in the spirit of unity unto a perfect man. So the church is not a hospital for the sick, it's the training ground for the righteous. It's literally our training ground where we find out who we are. Because if it's a hospital for the sick, then every time you come in, we're going to talk about your sickness. We're going to give you a diagnosis of, yes, you do have a sickness. It's sin. It's very terminal. But yeah, but, but we have an antidote And it's called Jesus. And once you receive him, then that sin is forgiven, but you'll experience symptoms. Most Christians still experience symptoms of this sickness. So we're going to give you another prescription called repentance. When those symptoms come back, take this prescription of repentance as often as you need it. It's not going to do your body any harm. It's going to do you good, and it's going to ensure that you don't die spiritually but the whole time not realizing that one drop of the blood of Jesus didn't only erase your past sins till you commit another one. It completely, oh, hold on, I have to go to verse 14. Because I have to make this point. Forgiving you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. That one drop of the blood of Jesus, it did not just erase your past sins. Until you sin again, then you're going to need to repent, and in order to receive forgiveness, it's based upon if your repentance was actually meant or not from your heart. Who's going to determine that? Do you know blotting out the handwriting of ordinances? You know that that Greek word in it entails, one of the words is to obliterate. Jesus didn't just wipe out your past sins. He obliterated them. One drop of the blood of Jesus and faith in that blood can liberate you from any symptoms of sin. Amen. Amen. If you're still experiencing symptoms as a born-again Christian, it doesn't mean that the root wasn't destroyed. Because now when when you come to a grace church, we don't tell you we need to talk about your sickness and then we're going to give a prescription. No, we talk about what He did and tell you you're no longer sick. And if you're experiencing symptoms, we're going to prescribe you the Word of God and to renew your mind, which will literally take care of any symptom that you have remaining, because the root was already dealt with. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to read that again, because this is actually the foundation scripture for today. So, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, that means the whole, every, any, and daily, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's the law. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us was the law. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 6. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God... Imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they who iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. David is talking about, we say that he was prophesying into the future. He was not prophesying into the future because they used the word covered. See, in the Old Testament, when you sin, you had to have a sacrifice of blood in order to cover that sin. Because the price of sin, it's very costly. And it cost life. A life of an animal, a life of a lamb, a life of a cow, doves. Whatever your sin was, you had to have a blood sacrifice. And David says that blessed is the man who the Lord imputes righteousness, apart from works blessed is the man whose sins are covered listen you're more blessed because your sins weren't just covered they were obliterated the bible said he that he blotted them out removing them out of the way nailing them to his own cross your sin wasn't covered it was completely removed The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that God condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us. When was that sin condemned in the flesh? It was condemned in the body of Jesus Christ when he became sin for you. When the Son of God humbled himself as a man and received your sin, which put him on a cross, which took him into the depths of the earth, which literally killed his body. Your sins, they're not just covered. They're completely removed. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I love the way the Lord does this because you're studying Scripture and He just highlights words to give you more in depth. So that one word will lead you on a rabbit trail. Me and Heather were talking about preparing sermons this morning. I was telling her. I said, well, I just do an outline, you know. I said, but you got to find what works for you. I said, it's good to have an outline because you can get on too many rabbit trails. (laughs) And you lose the real trail (laughs) because you was following rabbits. (laughs) But those rabbit trails are needed because they answer questions. Praise God. But Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? When I read that yesterday, I told Heather, I said, let's talk about this because there's something there. I said, why does the Apostle Paul say that shall we continue in sin instead of to sin? And Heather said something. She said, if you just recognize that you're in something, then you can get out. <laughs> and I said, yes! I said, praise God! And she said, you know what it's like? And I said, what? What's it like? And she said, I, I'm, She said, this, is, this is probably weird. She said, but I get this picture of like these circus mirrors. And she said, what? You know, the kind that make you look fat in the middle, skinny on top, and then your legs are all this evenly proportioned. She said, what if you grew up your whole life and that's the only image you ever seen? You would actually think that you look like that. And I said, that's exactly right, because that's what the law does. It says this is what you look like. You're dirty, you're not clean, you're disproportionate, you're not perfect. We went to the Caris Bible College. Orientation, yes, thank you. We're going to start this year, and they started with worship. And when I was worshiping the Lord, I just got this picture in my head. I pictured myself, and I was super dirty, super filthy, with no clothes on. And then I seen the Lord in my mind with this beautiful robe. Just so beautiful. And in my mind, he took it off himself and put it on me, which covered all my dirt, covered all my shame. The beautiful thing is, is that nothing that I do can actually make that robe dirty because it's his. Amen. Nothing that I do can take away the value of that robe because it's a king's robe. And that's what God does when we come in to the church. We've been told what's wrong with you, but God right now is telling you what's right with you. That even in your worst state, before you ever did one good thing for Him, He was already willing to die for you. If he was willing to do that when you were a a sinner, why would you expect to experience wrath now that you're a child? That doesn't make sense, does it? It seems like if at any time you would have been punished, it would have been when you were a sinner, not when you're a child. Once you become a child, you become an heir. The Bible says that we're heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. It says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. See, most of the time, the law is preached. It's preached to Christians in order to get you holier. Or if I somehow can fulfill the law, then I'll be righteous in God's sight. Or there's actually preachers who say, well, if you take away the law and you don't teach the law, people are just going to do whatever they want to do. You're just going to have sin running crazy in the church. Do you know what's supposed to lead us now? We're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God which is inside of us. But the church has taught as a whole for so many years that this external law can lead us better than an internal spirit. What a shame. We accredit the law to be more powerful than the Spirit of God. There's nothing that is more powerful than the Spirit of God inside of you. If you awoke unto your righteousness, like Paul said, awake unto righteousness and sin no more. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. The apostle Paul speaking, this is in the book of Philippians. We already know that he's received the revelation of the gospel and salvation apart from works. The Apostle Paul is probably older at this time. He's already seen, I mean, you're talking numerous miracles. Blind eyes open. I mean, he himself was raised from the dead. He's up in age. He's seen a lot, a lot. And listen to what he says. He says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead When he says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, it's a different Greek word than verse 11 when he says that by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead. When he's talking in verse 10 here and he says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, what was accomplished in me when He rose from the dead and I rose with Him? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. What power do I have in me? Because if the Holy Spirit, if God Himself is really in there, what does that look like? What does it look like when the Holy Spirit is in a born-again believer's life? That means that nothing can stop you that nothing can discourage you or persuade you otherwise than believing God in every circumstance, than having hope in the midst of the worst storm. Amen. That when you pray, all of heaven stands to attention. Yes, because of who you are, but not just that, but because of who Christ is in you, because he who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit listen when you speak it's like jesus speaking that you have the same life raising power that raised jesus from the dead inside of you it's not a different power it's the same power but if i was satan the number one thing that I would do is try to get you to believe you're weaker than what you are. So instead of you imposing your will on me, then I could impose my will on you. I watched a movie when I was younger before I got saved. A lot of you guys probably know the movie. am not even going to say the name of the movie because the movie's horrible, so it doesn't even matter. But uh, I watched a movie when I was younger, and this movie opens with this saying. It says that the greatest thing that the devil ever did was to convince the world that he didn't exist. And I was talking to my cousin this morning and I was telling her, before Jesus died, the enemy had full authority. He could care less who knew he existed because he was in full authority. But the Bible says that Jesus, he trampled on he actually overthrew powers. He overthrew their powers and trampled on them, making a public display of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's what it is. Praise God. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father. It also says that he took the keys of hell, death, and the grave away from the devil. Satan no longer has the power and the authority that he used to have. So instead of walking around proud and arrogant, he's very deceptive and deceiving. He hides now. Do you know that? He hides. See, we think that the enemy is this great monster who can just take people captive at his own will, but it's not true. Do you know that one angel, that's Michael, Cast one-third of the angels that rebelled with Satan out of heaven, including Satan himself. That means that one warring angel through one-third of the angels of heaven, he was able to kick them out single-handedly. So you got to understand, Satan is not a warring angel. He was created for worship. And when me and my cousin Jamie were talking about this, Jamie said, so basically he kicked out the worship team. (laughs) I said yeah pretty much because he's not a warring angel but people underestimate his ability to deceive when he came to Jesus the Bible says that the tempter came what did he try tempting with him? deception he's not a warring angel he's not mighty and I'm going to read this scripture right here to you right now in Revelations chapter 20 and I saw an angel a I saw an angel, one. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. This is one angel. One angel laid hold of the devil and bound him for a thousand years. And right now, we, without the saints, which each one of you have the Holy Spirit, just the angels of God, we outnumber the devil two to one. Now you add the saints, the born-again believers who have the authority of God inside of them. The enemy is scared. He's scared. And what he's scared of is you awakening to who you are. I had a dream three, four weeks ago. And in this dream, I was literally fighting with the devil, physically fighting with the devil all night long. And when we got done, because he couldn't beat me, he grabbed my oldest daughter, Mercy, and ran into a cave and sealed it up with concrete that was three or four feet thick. And in my dream, I ran up to the cave and I started smacking it in the name of Jesus. And then I closed my fist and I started punching it. And as I started punching it, it started to crack. And in my dream, I could feel his fear. That's what he's afraid of. He's afraid of you awakening to your destiny. He's afraid of you ruling and reigning in life by Christ Jesus. He wants to keep you defeated. He wants to take what's the closest to you. But guess what? Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And as he is, talking about Jesus, so are we in this earth. It didn't say as he was 2,000 years ago. It says as he is now. And how is he? He's high above all principalities, all power, all spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And the Bible says that we shall rule and reign in life, in this life. In Christ. Amen. When we awake unto who we are, when we realize that we have the Holy Spirit inside us, that we're dead to the law, that God didn't just erase all your sins, past, present, and future, He obliterated them. He gave you the Spirit of life. You have the Spirit of life inside of you. So when you're experiencing symptoms, That's all they are, is symptoms. The antidote never changes. Because inside your spirit, your flesh was not born again. I love these scriptures that that Mark quoted during the offering. Actually, we're going to turn there, Philippians chapter 2. This is what it says. Actually, we're going to go up to verse 9. Wherefore, God also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, see, the Bible, this is, this is saying that he was given the name that is above every name. But we know that we have been given his name as well, that we carry the name of Jesus, that it belongs to us. It's not just something that we have. It's part of who we are. You are a Christian. It's not just something you do. It's who you are. Amen. Wherefore, my beloved, if you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say here to work in your salvation in order to work it in, to ensure your salvation. It says to work out your salvation. Your spirit is the only part of you that was saved. It was born again, completely made in the image of God. Your spirit is, your flesh has to be trained. So when you're experiencing symptoms, it's just because you've trained it that way. But greater is He that's in you. Your spirit is born again. And when it's saying to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's not talking about to ensure it. It's talking about working out what happened inside of you with fear and trembling. Listen, the fear and trembling is not based in your own works or your own ability to produce this working out because listen to what it says. The very next verse, this verse in its context above it was saying that Jesus has been given the name that is above every name. Then it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The next verse says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So hold on. Am I supposed to work out according to the way we've been taught to ensure salvation? No, I'm not working in my salvation. I'm working out of my spirit what happened in my spirit because my spirit can affect my flesh. My flesh, what I do in the flesh can never affect my spirit because what happened in your spirit is greater than anything that had ever happened in your flesh. That's why Romans chapter 12 says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you, that you may prove, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of your Father. When we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, the things that we used to just do by habit, they become like they're not even there. When I stopped cussing, I didn't try to stop cussing. I just spent a whole bunch of time with Jesus. And then one day, I don't know, months later, I woke up one day and I thought, I can't remember the last time I cussed. That's, I actually thought that. By spending time with Jesus, focusing on Him, I was working out my salvation. I wasn't focused on my cussing because then I would have been trying to work in my salvation to get it in. From whatever I do out here, then somehow it's going to work in in my salvation. No, you were born again in your spirit, and you have to work that out. But you have to realize that it's God that not only puts it in you to do it, but He gives you the desire and the ability, according to the Scriptures. So if you're focused on your ability, then you're not doing what the Apostle Paul said with fear and trembling. He put you back on focusing on God when you were supposed to be working out your salvation. Because you're working out what happened inside of you. What happened inside of you was a miracle of God. Without Christ, it would have been impossible because that nature was inside of you. Once you come to God, you no longer have that nature inside of you. You don't commit sin because it says in Romans chapter 4, verse 4. 15, that the law works wrath, but where no law is, there is no transgression. So you can't commit a sin as far as God's concerned. Can you sin in your flesh? Can you do your body wrong? Can you do your spouse wrong? Could I sin against Heather? Yeah, I could. Could I sin against my own body by doing harm to it? Yes, I could. But can I sin against God? No, I (laughs) can't. Jesus, He obliterated the law and gave us the Spirit of God. Amen. And the Spirit of God inside of you is greater than any external law to lead you. If you'll look on the inside into the inner man and you'll renew your mind according to the Word of God, you will be transformed. It's the same thing. I used to listen to filthy, nasty music. Rap music. I mean, I... I loved rap music. I still have a great passion for rap music. I just like it. Just changed the stuff I'm listening to. But, uh, nobody told me. Nobody told me, hey, you need to stop listening to that. Nobody said that. It happened because I was just spending a crazy amount of time with Jesus. <laughs> driving down the road one day. Heather was in the car with me. And, uh, we're driving down the road. I'm listening to this music by Outkast. It's just filthy nasty. And, uh, all of a sudden I just feel really convicted. I hit the eject button, I put it in my CD case, which is a big CD case, like that thick. I mean, it, it's big. Roll down my window, yes, I littered. Yes, I did. And I threw all of them out the window. I wasn't law-based, though. That came through just spending a crazy amount of time with Jesus. Not because I had to, hold on. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Because it's God that works in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. If you're sitting down to read your Bible like you have to, stop. Stop. Because you don't have to, you get to. And if you need to spend some time in prayer until the, you allow the Lord to work in you to change that, why don't you just do that? <laughs> Honestly, get a message and listen to it. Get a message and listen to it. I used to listen to the audio Bible when I worked at Chambers and Owens. One day I listened to like 18 chapters of Luke. And uh, I was driving. I thought, well, wow, that was a waste of time. I didn't absorb any of that. My cousin, I think it was my cousin Bobby, called me. And we're talking. Like literally like all of those 18 chapters just like came out. And I was like, I didn't even realize that I had retained that. When we're working out, anyone who lifts weights, you don't start curling 50, 60-pound dumbbells. Most people start curling 15, 20-pound dumbbells. If you were discouraged at your 15 or 20-pound dumbbells because your buddy over here is curling 60 and you stop, you'll never get to 60. You'll never get to 60. But if you would be faithful with your 15, 20-pound dumbbells, maybe five minutes in the Word, ten minutes in the Word, you'll get to the place where your buddy's spending two hours in the Word and he's having a fun time. You'll get to that point. Because when you're doing this, you're building up your inner man. The reason why most Christians are malnourished is because this is this is the only way to feed your spirit is the Word of God. And that's where Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if you spent one week without reading your words or without eating a natural meal, would you feel stronger at the end of that week or weaker? You'd feel weaker. When you eat, it gives you strength. It's the same way with the scripture. We're feeding our inner man. But you can't just feed him junk, just like your body. You feed your body Twinkies all day, it's just going to shut down. Same thing, you feed your spirit the law all day, it's going to shut down. It's the message of grace. We're not trying to talk about what you did, we're trying to talk about what you've become. That actually overrides anything that you ever did. It takes you out of a position of a servant and puts you in the position of a son. And Jesus said, he actually told the disciples, I call you friends and no longer servants because a servant doesn't know everything that his master does. And he says, I call you friends because all things that I received of the Father, I have showed them to you. We're not only sons of God, we're friends of God. And that's how it is. I mean, even Mercy, I started helping in their school and during gym class you know it's just it's awesome because like I can tell I've been watching Andrew Womack a lot I just said awesome like him and I'm like it it is awesome though (laughs) but uh I got there on this Friday and she said dad I just wanted to come up and hug you so bad and I said I did too you know and I was teasing her I said give you a kiss on the on the forehead and smack you in the stomach. She said, you can't do that. I said, I, said, I know, right? That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> but uh, they're my friends. They're my daughters. But we have a bond that just goes beyond just being a, a son or a daughter. We have a friendship, which means that I don't have to do something with you. I don't look at it like I have to do something for you or with you. I look at it like I get to do something with you. But it's such a blessing to have them and me and Heather's life. Just like Heather, she's my best friend, and we say it all the time. But if people saw us, like when it's just me and her, she says all the time, they would think we're nuts. And I'm like, yeah, they would, because it's constant, just joking around and being goofy, just having fun with one another. It's not strenuous. There's no strain. Do we argue? Oh, yeah, we've argued. We try not to anymore because most of the time I think I win until I have to go <laughs> apologize. So that doesn't really work out too good. In the moment, I thought I won and I was justified. But <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom always sides with Heather, so that doesn't make any difference. Even if I was right, she would still side with Heather because Heather's very soft-spoken. <laughs> and I think... People that are very soft-spoken and won't defend themselves, you just want to defend. <laughs> That's why it actually says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Yeah, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, it says that He will exalt us in due time. He don't have any problem with us being exalted. He just has a problem with us exalting ourselves that's where the problem is because when we exalt him he exalts us we exalt him he exalts us when we make everything about him he makes everything about us honestly we're getting the better deal (laughs) because we're limited but he's unlimited amen i believe the lord wants to encourage all of us that our righteousness is not going to be produced from our own works Our right standing with God. That's what righteousness is. It's a right standing with God. It's not going to be produced on what we've done. It's going to be produced on what he did. And if we live out of our spirits, that's what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians that if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says for the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. These are contrary one to the other, so you can't do the things that you would. Our spirit is greater than our flesh. Our flesh, it can lead you if you let it, but the thing is, is you don't have to let it. And there never, ever, ever is any condemnation for you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 13, it says that sin cannot be imputed where there is no law. That means sin can't be imputed unto you because you're not under the law. Sin can ruin your life, yes. But God will never hold your sins against you ever again. You're completely forgiven, forever forgiven. Your salvation is always intact if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no chance of you messing it up. I thank God that he didn't put it in my hands because I would have ruined it years ago. And I'm pretty sure all you would have too. (laughs) Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it brings light and gives life, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you're doing something special, not only in this church, but in this earth. I thank you, Father, that this generation is going to be part of one of the greatest moves that I believe has happened this far. I thank you that we are part of a great outpouring, and I thank you that we will see billions of souls come into the kingdom of God. In Jesus Christ's name, thank you, Father. Amen.